Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the latest edition of the Woke Bros. Of course, I'm your co-host, Big Waz, a.k.a. Wazzy Lambray. And back, back, back from sabbatical in Miami, my brother on the west side, Nando Vila. What's up, bro? I'm doing well. It's good to be back in the chair. Missed you. Missed you, too, as always um, on today. Well, first of all, big shout out to Pascal Robert of This Is Revolution podcast. Dude. Phil did last week, did a tremendous job. If you didn't get to check that out, go check that out. He takes a fucking chainsaw to the black elite, to just the origins of black nationalism and black liberation. And he's just a fucking beast. And um, so thank you for coming. We on. got we got more love for that episode than basically any episode. And I, I, like, I hear you guys. You guys want me to be replaced. Full time uh, by Pascal, and I, I, I don't play. <laughs> he is, he is incredible, man. So, um, thank you again for coming on, Pascal. Uh, I think we got a pretty dope show. Um, I wanted to talk to Nando about this Gerard Carmichael HBO special that came out because it's called Rothaniel. It's on HBO Max. Um, it's like nothing I've ever seen before in that medium, uh, and I just thought it was pretty freaking cool and i thought there was just a lot of interesting aspects about it that i do want to tackle with nando on the show today so at the back end we'll talk about uh gerard carmichael's hbo special but first up man uh we gotta start with the amazon workers from my hometown technically i'm not from staten island thank god but it's new york city <laughs> they're one of the five boroughs the amazon warehouse in Staten Island, voted to unionize <clears throat> the first Amazon union in the United States of America. Um, this is, you know, you can't really understate how big of a deal this shit was. Uh, it, it's, you know, they, they did what they had to do in Bessemer, Alabama, meaning Amazon and their union busting cronies with all the shady shit that they did. Um, it came out that they use unfair practices and all of that stuff. The people in Bessemer were up against it, but somehow man, in, in, in Staten Island, which, you know, I'm interested to know to understand what you think about it, Nando, but I feel like because New York, is such a unionized, unionized ass yeah. place, you know, it makes it easier for those oh, folks, yeah. not easy, but easier for those folks to organize and get this thing through. This is just, I don't know. This is one of the biggest labor wins and God only knows how long Nando. Well, Eric Blanc, who's a, uh, a labor historian at Rutgers and writes uh, a lot for Jacobin. He wrote, he called it the uh, most important labor victory in the United States since the 1930s. Oh my God. Um, wow. You know, that it's, you know, and I think because, I think mostly because of who it was against and who it was by, you know, Amazon is, Amazon is the mothership. Like Amazon yeah. is the economy these days. Yep. You know what I mean? Like in terms of the nature of its business, the amount of people it employs, Mm -hmm. um, since the pandemic, we talked about it on, on this show a lot, like the amount of people who've just been swallowed up into Amazon's uh, worker roles, like they've been Over on a higher thousand since the pandemic started, which is just that's it's crazy insane. for one single employer. That's crazy. Yeah. And so it is the mothership. Like it's like striking, you know, in the heart of the Death Star. Right. That's mm -hmm. Amazon. It's like um, it is the it is the grand prize um, of organized labor. And then it's not just that, it's not that it, that it was Amazon, 
but that it was won by an independent group of workers. Like it mm -hmm. wasn't it, it, like in the Bessemer attempt, it was with the uh, retail, wholesale and, uh, and dining services uh, mm -hmm. union. Um, you know, often these victories come, you know, with the help of the SEIU or, or the or Teamsters, Teamsters or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. And which, by the way, we should do a show about the Teamsters election, which we talked, uh, you know, we talked a little bit about before, but the, 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 the good guy won, you know, like mm, it's going to be very right. interesting to see um, what the Teamsters do uh, with new leadership. But it was an independent, it was called the Amazon Labor Union. It's a, you know, it's, it's a new thing. It was just a group of workers getting together. Um, and doing this. And I, I highly recommend an interview in Jacobin um, with a woman named Angelica Maldonado, who is a single mom. She's 26 years old, um, single mother, works the night shift at an Amazon warehouse in Staten Island. And she led the worker effort from inside wow. the Amazon warehouse. Like, I can't even imagine what that woman must have gone through. You know, like any single mom period is like, I don't understand how they do it. A single mom who works the night shift on Amazon, a single mom who then goes on and organizes her warehouse at Amazon. Like that's just, that's absolutely mind blowing. And yeah, I, I, I'm with you. I don't think it can be understated how significant this is. I mean, again, I'm not, this doesn't mean that Amazon's not going to become a union uh, company. They still have to work out their contract and they're mm -hmm. going to need other people to, to do it. But like, well, like we saw in Starbucks, you know, they're, they're, you know, there's a wave going on in Starbucks. There is. And so, yeah. And yeah, the, the you know, Starbucks' ghoulish CEO, who we've talked about on the show today, he's trying his best at these town halls. But I think the 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 toothpaste is out of the tube if you will like this thing isn't isn't going back at starbucks specifically for sure i think amazon of course this is one factory and like i said at the top of the show this is new york city a hotbed of labor activity where damn near everything in new york is unionized because you know it's just been a union town since forever um, and, you know, I think that that bears mentioning, but I'm, I'm just struck by just that it could happen at all with the way Amazon has been so militant in combating this stuff, you know, and truly, truly a victory for the little guy. And, you know, and again, you wonder, like, if workers at other shops are going to be like, wait a second. They're going to be able to collectively bargain for the right to not just get treated like cogs in the machine, not just, you know, discarded, fired whenever Amazon feels like, you know, terrible conditions. They're going to be able to negotiate raises and, and wage hikes and benefit increases and all of that. I think other workers are going to see that and be like, hold up, man. Um, And again, it's different everywhere, right? Like if you're making 17,000 bucks in Bessemer, Alabama, um, I mean, not 17,000, excuse me, 17 bucks an hour, 18 bucks an hour in that town, you might look at it and be like, look, man, um, I think I'm pretty good. It's kind of whack, but I'm paying my bills. I could probably pay for a babysitter. I could do, me and my partner could do what we got to do and make it figure out. I'm not really willing to, to rock the boat here. It's a little bit different in New York City under those living conditions, under those, you know, the cost of living in New York where people are just like, listen, man, <laughs> 
this shit ain't gonna cut it. You guys are making way too much money to be dealing with us this way. This isn't some little engine that could. It's not a bunch of greedy ass fat back workers talking about, hey man, we want our piece of the cut for some little mom and pop operation that could barely get anything off the ground, barely yeah. paying their bills. This is Amazon. This is yeah. one of the richest countries, com companies, might as well be a country. Yeah. This is one of the Freudian richest. <laughs> this is one of the richest companies in the world, man. So it's like it only makes sense. And yeah, this is just one of the most encouraging things you could see. Yeah, and I think if you're looking at it from a you know the Brandon administration, uh, the like I think that the one thing that you can really point to as like a super meaningful difference between this administration and the previous administration, and even the previous one before that. Um, is the behavior of his NLRB, the National Labor Relations Board, mm -hmm. because we covered the Bessemer uh, fight uh, on this show. They lost. But then the NL NLRB stepped in and, and invalidated that election. <laughs> I was like, yeah. what? I was like, what? <laughs> yeah. And they voted again. And it's much closer now. Um, yeah. it's still The result still hangs in the balance. Um, because while it looks like the, the no, like the Amazon position has a slight lead, there's like four or 500 ballots that are still being examined by the NLRB, um, that could tip the scale in the other direction. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but like, it's just remarkable that the government is stepping in on. They're putting their finger on the scale. A little and bit, they're yeah. doing it. And, and, and again, it's not like they're moving heaven or earth, but they're doing something for the little guy here, which just has never, hasn't been the case since I, I, I don't know when's the last yeah. administration that's given a damn in this way. Like Barry, of course, paid a lot of lip service to this type of shit, but we know he's neoliberal scum and doesn't give a damn about any of this stuff. He doesn't give a damn about unionization. He doesn't give a damn about organized labor. Like he doesn't come from a world that values this or sees, sees this as a way for people to achieve better lives for themselves. So Barry's just like, hey, man, we just need like seven more Barack Obamas. Yeah. <laughs> this thing, we get a Barack at Goldman, get a, get a Barack in the presidency, get a Barack at Amazon shit. Uh, and, and, and we'll get this thing flowing. Um, th that's all we need. We don't need to actually materially change the lives um, of the people at the bottom. And what I think is interesting which I'm going to get to Joe Biden in a second because he just gave a dope ass little speech to um, I forget what union um, he was talking to, but uh, he, he talked about the rising unions and all of that. But I just want to talk about let's get to our favorite people in the world, Nando, the Democratic Party. Yeah. Um, crickets for the most part. Yeah. Which I think just speaks volumes, man. Yeah. Like it tells you everything these these folks are about like you know Rashida Tlaib uh I mean not Rashida Tlaib I know Ilyan Omar came out of course um AOC because she always knows how to hit the right beats on this stuff like a few people came out and said this is amazing this is awesome let's do it uh but <sighs> Bernie of course but like <sighs> crickets Nando yeah yeah, I mean, I, I know Schumer did because Schumer is terrified of an attack from his left and he's in New York. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, but like not even all of the Congressional Progressive Caucus has come out and said something. But uh, 
Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, we were laughing before we recorded about Brandon's, uh, uh, you know, fiery speech in support of the unions. Like, we're going after Amazon. It's funny because, like, Brandon, the funny thing about him is that he goes off, he goes off script, you know, like, and so the handlers in the White House, they don't let him out much. And everyone, <laughs> when they do, he he just goes off script like I, like I like with this one, you know, he was like, there's no way that they were like, you know, this is like what they wanted him to say uh, or to come out this strong or like with what he came out and said that Putin should should be like, you know, that they, we should do regime change in Russia, that Putin should be removed from power. You know, like very, very delicate thing, you know, very delicate situation over there in Russia and Ukraine. They're about they're doing peace talks. You, know, you don't want to come out and, and fucking, uh, you know uh blow that up and and they had to like walk that back so like he's just like you know the old man who they when they let him out every once in a while he'll say something like mildly racist but he'll also say something like you know that is like really cool at the same time you know what i mean so it it was just hilarious yeah he's um he was talking to the north america's building trade um north america's building trade unions uh and at one point, he said, "By the way, Amazon, here we come." And then at the and he reiterated it, Nando. He said, "No, I'm serious. Watch." That's what unions are about, in my view, about providing dignity and respect for people who bust their neck. That's why I created the White House Task Force on Worker Organization and Empowerment to make sure the choice to join a union belongs to workers alone. And by the way. By the way, Amazon, here we come. Watch. Watch. We're going to get them. (laughs) So good. That is just not what those folks want to hear. And, you know, I forget the woman's name that's that's in the cabinet that's like really – um, Jesus, she's like obsessed with antitrust. I forget this woman's Lena name. Khan. There you go, Lena Khan. Like, he's got these little pockets in his administration that, like, let's face it, guys, did not exist anywhere in Barry's administration. Like, this yeah. strain of thought, like, even if you want to say it's defanged, whatever, he couldn't get that 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 chick um um installed at the Fed, whatever. Um Dude, like this just did not exist in the last Democratic administration. Like Barry would just never do this. He would yeah. just never come at a huge business like that and say, yeah, that's right. The unions are taking it to your ass. Like he just yeah. wouldn't do it. And again, like we've got, we've been killing Joe Byron for, I don't even know how long on this Joe podcast. Brandon. Joe, Brandon. Joe Brandon, excuse me, Joe Brandon <laughs> on this podcast. But like... You got to give him props when when he doesn't. And again, like Nando says, the National Labor Labor, uh, Relations Board, uh, look, they they did something for this union. Like you got to give them their props when they do something right. Because, you know, for everything that they do right, there's like, again, like they postponed the student loan debt, which I know is just a naked, whack-ass ploy to try to pretend like they want to salvage the the Democrats' midterm sort of um, outlook, which, you know, they basically uh, kept the moratorium on student, the pause on student loan debt. They extended it to August 31st, which just make it permanent, whatever. Again, like, 
Nando brings it up all the time on this show. Student loan debt does not belong to some private entity. There's nobody's gonna miss this money. No. <laughs> like, nobody's discipline tool. It's just a straight up like, oh, you guys signed up for this, so you should have to pay it. Like you guys got jerked. You guys got fucking screwed over in this deal, even though you went into it willingly. So you should have to live by it. Again, this isn't some, you know, they can't even say this is some private entity and say, well, this is savvy business and we should reward people who are savvy and great capitalists. This is the fucking United States government, the richest government in the world. We're putting motherfuckers in debt just to go to school so they could achieve some level of middle class status. Like this, it just doesn't make any sense that they don't want to cancel this outside of just it sets a bad precedent. Um, but yeah, like, you know, Joe Byron's having a decent week, Joe Brandon, excuse me. And, you know, we decided to give him his props today. Do you identify as crypto curious? If you've thought about entering the world of cryptocurrency, but felt a little overwhelmed, Coinbase makes learning to buy and sell simple. Cryptocurrency might feel like a secret exclusive club, but Coinbase believes that everyone everywhere should be able to get in the door. Whether you've been trading for years or just getting started, Coinbase can help. Coinbase offers a trusted and easy to use platform to buy, sell, and spend cryptocurrency. They support the most popular digital currencies on the market and make them accessible to everyone. They offer portfolio management and protection, learning resources, and a mobile app so you can trade securely and monitor your crypto all in one place. Millions of people in over 100 countries trust Coinbase with their digital assets. Whether you're looking to diversify, just getting started, or searching for a better way to access crypto markets, start today with Coinbase. And for a limited time, new users can get $10 in free Bitcoin when you sign up today at coinbase.com B-O-M-M. Sign up at coinbase.com slash B-O-M-M for $10 in free Bitcoin. This offers for a limited time only, so be sure to sign up today. That's coinbase.com slash B-O-M-M. Yeah, and so we move on to, man, uh, Gerard Carmichael, comedy writer, actor, uh, stand-up comic, um, you know, just an all-around person in that world, in the comedy space. Uh, he came out with an HBO special called Rothaniel. And, you know, the conceit of the special is that he's going to unburden himself of secrets that he's been holding on to for essentially his entire life. And, man, I thought the structure of the special was really cool where he talks about his family history of lies and sweeping things under the rug and things that go unacknowledged and all of this stuff like to where he gives this slow reveal about his dad and all of this stuff and, you know, essentially comes out as a gay man, uh, which I just found interesting in like, a million different ways. Uh, first of all, I watched his um, HBO special called Home Movies whenever that came out, which was, I think was like 2019. And in that special, he tells his mom that he's had sexual relations with men before. Like he said it three years ago. He didn't say I'm gay. He kind of tried to, he, tried, he basically slow rolled it and was basically like posited as bisexuality. Um, that same year, 
Tyler, the creator, puts out an album dealing, with, which has a lot of themes about sexual fluidity. Gerard Carmichael is on one of the skits slash interviews, which like lets you know that he's you know sort of going through this whole thing. But I just thought the structure of the special was incredible. But I also thought it was interesting because like especially for black entertainers. Um, homosexuality is still seen kind of as a third rail topic. Um, it still is, stupidly, but it still is. And so I thought it was just interesting how he unspooled this whole thing. Yeah, and I, it reminded me of uh, of the episode that we did with Bertrand Cooper um, because, um, you know, Gerard Carmichael, you know, was is a working class like grew up working class you know mm -hmm. uh, his father was a truck driver um and uh you know that's just increasingly rare in 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 the kind of highest cultural spaces i mean i i hadn't like i'd, I'd never seen one of his stand-up specials before um i like i was like aware of who he was but i was not like super into it i knew that he had worked on some stuff with bo burnham um and i remember watching bo burnham's special the pandemic one that i quite liked um and bo burnham directed this one um but extremely um, slickly directed by the way like yeah. it's got a lot of style and it's cool yeah. the visual yeah. flair of this thing yeah it's more than like a regular stand-up special yeah. like comedy central style like it has a little bit more artsiness to it and um yeah i just thought it was i thought it was very clever the way he i mean the way the misdirection right like because he was like he sets up his mom as like this victim sympathetic figure mm -hmm. to this like philandering dad and that he comes from like a family of philanderers, like, like his grandparent, like his grandfather's like, had like had twenty three like, kids, it's something sick like outside that. of his marriage. Yeah, um, mm -hmm. it, you know, uh, if he had more kids with that's country wife, shit, by the way. That don't yeah, happen. That's like thirty kids. That don't happen in Queens. I'm just no, telling you. No. Yeah, I'm just telling yeah. you. They can't like live anywhere. You know, well, in the city. Not like, where are they? Not um, I remember thinking like, man, that must be so stressful. Like, you know, mm -hmm. um. And, but then the kind of the twist, I mean, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen it or whatever, is that, um, you know, the, that really the one, the one relationship that he's having the most trouble with uh, in this journey is with his mom. Um, and that's like the acceptance he craves the most, um, you know, you know, listen, I think that usually I would be kind of against this kind of comedy, which is like a therapy session instead of like jokes, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Like. I prefer, you, you know, like there's been a trend in recent years of like the sad comic, like just saying, like talking Dave's about done a few is. of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dave's done yeah. a few where he's literally yeah, like, smoking a cigarette and sitting right. on a stool and crying about shit. Yeah. <laughs> like the, the Hannah Gadsby, the Nanette thing, like a lot of like Louis C.K.'s before he got canceled, but like his latter shit is like just like, you know, his show. I couldn't stand because it was just like, hey, look at me, how sad and pathetic I am. And um, <laughs> And, uh, you know, even like the mass master of none, like there was like a time where like every show was like about a sad comedian about his personal yeah. life. Right? Mm -hmm. And I was like, dude, just like what happened to jokes? Like what happened to like just fucking <laughs> Gerard dropped some 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 jokes in this. Yeah. Thing. Like there was some laugh out loud moments in this. thing. Yeah. No. Yeah. No, I, he, he totally did. Like, I mean, when he. <laughs> when he was making fun of his brother for not making as much money as him, that was really funny. You know, like, yeah. <laughs> like he said, it's not even close. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And like uh, you know, when he was talking about like his uncle Junebug, uh, which I was like, is that like what? 
Like, is that like a nickname or a real name? Like, I don't understand. Like, oh, Junebug is a common nickname in the black community. It's, it's okay. like, okay. it's it's like, I don't even know what to compare it to. But yeah, it's it's a thing yeah, that yeah. happens. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, I'm, I'm with you. Like, it was, uh, it was definitely like a cap, like utterly captivating, you know, like, and he has this kind of very loose style, like that mm-hmm. I would describe, like, it wasn't like polished. You got this. I mean, I know that the, the really great performers can make it seem this way when it's really not. He's, but, he's absolutely performing, but like, it's an or an unorthodox way of delivering yeah. these lines, man. Yeah. Yeah. Like he, he, it looks like he's kind of just loosely going through it but like the structure um is very clever and that how he sets up the reveals and then the audience gets into it like you know the whole thing is like he starts off with this tease about that he's going to reveal his name his real so name really is rathaniel you know mm-hmm. which is like a ridiculous name yes you know, and, you know <laughs> it was probably uh, roland and nathaniel and he was yeah, like yeah like roger and, yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly um uh, <laughs> As and a person with a fucked up name, man, I laughed. I laughed so much. <laughs> so good. Um, uh, and it's funny, like at one point, like he's like getting into it. It's like this, like really, you know, heartfelt moment about like his relationship with his father or someone. And someone from the audience just goes like, "You still haven't told us your name." <laughs> <laughs> Dude, the audience participation part where he's doing crowd work. Yeah. throughout this whole thing like it, it, it's he's doing so much he's juggling so much and again like yes he reveals himself to be a gay person um which he was closeted he even mentioned in the special like he said i thought i never was i thought i'd never come out um so just kind of gives you an idea of the weight but why i wanted to talk about it with you nando is because like because i'm adjacent to so much of black entertainment people, meaning people in the music industry, et cetera, et cetera. Like this notion of closeted people in entertainment is like, it dominates so much of the conversation that people have in private. And so that's why... I could feel the weight of what this dude was doing because it dominates so much conversation. And I know he's been, he's been on both sides where closeted people are talking about what it's like to be closeted. And he's heard people who didn't know he was gay talk about other closeted people. Like I know he's had those experiences. So the weight of it for me was different because like, I just don't think it happens with white entertainers in this way. Not that there aren't closeted white entertainers, but it's like Kevin Spacey, for instance, is like, he's always been making jokes about his sexuality and his work and in his public appearances, but like everybody knew the dude was gay. You feel me? Like everybody- Cooper. It's like, whatever. Anderson Cooper, like you you name it. Everybody kind of knew it was gay, but like with, but like even so like Tyler, the creator, right? Um, I guess he's out as bisexual now. Um, and I don't mean to put quote tweets. I'm not trying to be homophobic and that. I'm just saying like, that's what he's calling it. Um, like, <laughs> so I remember, I think he dropped a song called I'm gay. And like, he, he came into the rap space as somebody who was a really like trolly type of person. 
But I remember immediately knowing, like, oh, shit, Tyler, the creator, just came out the closet. Like, he, he did it in his Tyler way, where it's like people weren't sure if he was trolling or not. But he came out the closet. Then one day he went on Hot 97 in New York with Funk Master Flex legendary radio show. He did like a freestyle and he says some of the gayest, like he's talking about sucking dick and doing all kinds of shit as a troll job on the freestyle. And like, like so I would encourage everybody go watch Tyler, the creators, Funk Master Flex freestyle. It's like a master class in trolling. Like he knows Flex is like this conservative New York hip hop, blah, blah, blah. And he does the gayest freestyle possible on there. Mm -hmm. But again, even Tyler, who's like huge artist now, Grammys, all of this shit. Even he feels the need to sort of soft roll out his you know coming out as a gay person and you know you just hear all of this shit you're just oh like you're always hearing like oh such and such is gay oh such and such is closeted yeah. oh i heard such and such be having little boys at his crib or like it's it dominates so much of the conversation that's why i just thought it was so powerful that this dude specifically did that yeah no i mean it was uh i mean i know that uh yeah i mean i know that like there's certain spaces where um it's still not like i mean like sports i mean sports is the obvious one right, right? forget like, about it you know um and and uh, you know i'm i i can't imagine like what a weight must be uh lifted off Gerard's uh shoulders because i mean i'm sure i mean it was funny like when he was talking about his best friend uh <laughs> he was like you know like he was talking pretty openly about like how their different reactions from the people in his yeah. life and he's thinking his best friend so was cool. like nope. and i don't know if he was like joking or if the best friend was like actually kind of mad where he was like dude i think you just i feel like you just tricked me into having a gay best friend like i didn't sign up for this, shit. <laughs> I didn't sign up for this. <laughs> <laughs> and again like so many things he's walking you through are the type i like it because he's answering all the questions people would want to fucking know you know um he's like he's he's talking he was like the part where he's like, yo, I'm telling y'all, like, this, there's been times I was in the shower, like, bro, you're gay. Like, wow. <laughs> like, so many dope moments in the special. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm curious to see, you know, what type of conversation this thing sort of springs. Because Gerard Carmichael is not, like, he's not Kevin Hart. You know, he's not some huge celebrity, even though he did SNL and you know all of this stuff he's done some of the stuff to promote the work but like i'm curious to see how this lives in the culture and i'm curious to see if more this would encourage more people to uh let it go let go and let god because man nando i swear to god there's like i gotta listen to like four five of them off the top of my head where i'm just like just <laughs> just Name put them. it out there already nah you can't do that just, nah, just put it out there already man like just let it go be free my brother yeah absolutely so yeah i would encourage everybody to go watch that thing man um make sure you read everything that you can on the amazon unionization jacobin was all over that thing um plenty of outlets all over that uh make sure you're supporting counter dings on patreon.com backslash counter dings uh every single counter dings offering uh we're out of here man we'll see you guys next week peace later